This episode of the Humanity Archive podcast is brought to you by the upcoming history book titled The Humanity Archive, Recovering the Soul of Black History from a Whitewashed American Past. It was written by Jermaine Fowler, and I heard this guy tell some really amazing stories. As a matter of fact, in this sweeping survey of black history, Fowler shows us how black humanity has been erased and how its recovery can save the humanity of us all. Here's what Philip Lewis, the front page editor over at HuffPost, has to say about the book in his advance review. And he might know a thing or two about writing right. Well, let's hear what he has to say. He said, quote, from the African slave trade to Seneca Village to Biddy Mason and more. The Humanity Archive is a very enriching read on the history of blackness around the world. I was hooked by Fowler's storytelling and would recommend to others who want to pour over a book that outlines critical moments in history without putting you to sleep, unquote. No, in all seriousness, I am Jermaine Fowler. Sorry I have been away, but I would be honored if you go right now and pre-order the book I've been working on the last 10 months, even though that's what's to blame for keeping me away from the podcast. So go pick it up, go over to Amazon and search the Humanity Archive, or I have left the link. You could just click it right in the show notes to take you right to the book to pre-order. Now, the book doesn't come out until February 28th, 2023. Yes, that's a long time, but pre-orders are very important. And if everyone listening does this, it will push the book to instant bestseller status. And how cool would it be to order the book now? Forget about it. And then this amazing book comes to your doorstep in the dead of winter as a surprise. So the link to the book, again, is in the show notes where you can buy it at Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go over to IndieBound. Again, just search the Humanity Archive and it'll come up. The very same energy of the podcast is in the book. And so much of the book is in the podcast. They are very much intertwined and synergized together. And the book is basically my journey to find myself in the study of black history. I recover hundreds of obscured narratives. I show how black history has been whitewashed. I scan millenniums of the human experience. It's a global history, but it is from a black American perspective. You don't want to miss this. But enough of that. Thank you all so much for your patience. I appreciate it. It's been a while. I've missed you dearly, but I plan on dropping more consistent podcasts again. And this one is going to be very timely and important. Today, I want to read some excerpts from the Frederick Douglass speech. What to the slave is the 4th of July? And this question really still carries through into the present as the descendants of the enslaved continue wrestling with the same question. Can the 4th of July be reconciled with the Juneteenth? Has the beautiful ideal of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness been realized in America? Who gets to be an American? Have the stories of the marginalized in America been incorporated into the national narrative? These are the questions that I think about as we approach the 4th of July. I think about the narratives that are marginalized like Grace Wisher. A black girl just 13 years old who helped sew the Star Spangled Banner that flew over Fort McHenry in Maryland that inspired Francis Scott Key to write the national anthem. As the nation celebrates, I'm reminded of how Native Americans had to hide their own religious ceremonies in Fourth of July ceremonies because they were banned from celebrating through a religious crimes code until the 1930s. Had to subordinate, forget, and distance themselves from their own rituals. 
I also think about how the nation is celebrating its independence, freedom from tyranny and liberation from a king and ocean away. And yet we have been unable to reconcile the stories of those who were forced from an ocean away or who were here already into our national narrative. So Frederick Douglass, always the agitator. That was his advice, by the way, when someone asked him, how can they Best ensure progress in America. He simply said, agitate, agitate, agitate. And so I see Douglas's question. Now, again, is a conversation between Juneteenth and the 4th of July, between 1619 and 1776, between freedom and slavery, between abundant life and mass genocide, because he knew that these were problems that America would continue to have to resolve because these questions unresolved threaten and continue to threaten to tear the very fabric of America apart. And right now it seems like that fabric is hang on by threads, doesn't it? The only chance I think we have of diffusing the ticking time bomb of race and inequality in America is to carry on the dialogue. But before I get into the 4th of July speech, I want to begin with my favorite Frederick Douglass story, because I think it is important to understand the character of this formerly enslaved man, this abolitionist, this orator, this statesman, this father, this husband, this women's rights activist, his titles go on and on. Douglass had his flaws, of course, like any man, but for me, he was an American moral hero. So let's go back in time, everyone, to 1893 at the World's Fair in Chicago. Like 27 million people from all over the world filtered through this thing. It was an event showcasing the so-called best of every nation and civilization in the world. It's a massive event. And we see Douglas through the eyes of the young Paul Lawrence Dunbar, great American poet, young black man, a very strong admirer and mentee of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass is his hero. So Dunbar relates how the elder Douglas handled hecklers at the speaking event. Again, Douglas is geriatric. Remember, the life expectancy is only around 42 years old during that time. And of course, there's infant mortality, which accounted for some of that. A lot of babies didn't make it, but you get the point. He's living on borrowed time, it seems like at this point. I mean, Frederick Douglas is not going to make it much longer. So he was invited to this World's Fair to speak on behalf of 80. And racism marred the fair. He's speaking on the day that black people were to present, was segregated. Black people got a single day out of this mini day event. And the press did what the press did back then. They called it Darkies Day at the fair. The headlines read slices of watermelon were sold and the affair was taken as a joke by many. So Douglas begins reading from his speech, The Race Problem in America. And then he's interrupted by jeers and calls from white men in the rear. One yells out about this so-called race problem. And Douglas, he he falters. He's faced hostile crowds before, but this one kind of shakes him a little bit. We don't know if it's that he's getting older or what. And Dunbar relates the scene as he sits nearby because he's supposed to go up after Douglas to read his poem, The Colored American. And he says that Douglas finds his voice and he sounded like the abolitionists of old. And I'm going to recount this scene from the book Frederick Douglass by historian William McFeely. In the August heat, the old man Douglas tried to go on, but the mocking persisted and his hand shook. Painfully, Dunbar witnessed his idol's persecution. The great orator's voice faltered. 
Then, to the young poet's surprise and delight, the old abolitionist threw his papers down. He parked his glasses on them. His eyes were flashing. He pushed his hand through his great mane of white hair, and he spoke full and rich and deep, and it came in sonorous tones. Compelling attention, drowning out the cat calls as an organ would a penny whistle. Men talk of the Negro problem, Douglas roared. There is no Negro problem. The problem is whether the American people have loyalty enough, honor enough, patriotism enough to live up to their own constitution. He went on for an hour. We Negroes love our country. We fought for it. We ask only that we be treated as well as those who fought against it. The applause when he stopped was the welcome thunder of old times. This is the towering figure of Frederick Douglass we're talking about here. He shows us that an old lion can still roar. He still had the wit as sharp as a lion's toenail. I don't think Frederick Douglass has spoken of nearly enough in the overall arc of American history, even as he helped shape and define the question of what it means to be black in America. When I look at his life, I see a person who never would stop diagnosing America's ills and trying to remove the cancer of racism from the American body politic. While he was alive, holding America accountable to its founding ideals and principles would never be an issue. While he was alive, the oppressed would always have a powerful voice demanding equality. While he was alive, there would always be someone to be a gadfly and never allow the moral consciousness of the nation to rest while the injustice of slavery was awake. Everyone. Welcome to the Humanity Archive podcast. I am your gracious host, Jermaine Fowler, and today I have a story from history that you've probably never heard before, but even if you have, you've never heard it in the way that I'm going to tell it. This is the story of the birthday of America, or at least from the perspective of a formerly enslaved man named Frederick Douglass. This is the Humanity Archive podcast. Let's get into it. The now famous What to the Slave is the 4th of July speech was delivered in Corinthian Hall in Rochester, New York State by Frederick Douglass, July 5th, 1852. I really do encourage you to read it in its entirety because even though it was written well over a century ago, truth really does not have an expiration date now, does it? The unsettling reality is this. America still locks up a disproportionate amount of its black citizens and the threads of racism and ideology of white supremacy are still entwined into the fabric of America, along with countless other injustices. So many things have changed and so many haven't. 
And a lot of non-white people have a difficult time with this holiday, the 4th of July, and look at it as a slap in the face because the founding or the building up of America meant the destruction or the breaking down of the foundation of so many others. And Douglas brings a lot more fire to this in this passage that he says in the speech where he's really taking America to task. He says, quote, had I the ability and could reach the nation's ear, I would today pour out a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm and stern rebuke. For it is not the light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind and the earthquake, unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but my family celebrated the 4th of July growing up with the usual fireworks and barbecues. And back then when I was a kid, I didn't know what I was celebrating. I remember reading the poll and they polled millennials and they said like 42% of them didn't even know that 1776 was the year the U.S. declared independence. The younger the generation, the less likely they were to know this history. But for what it's worth, the serendipitous nostalgia of red, white, and blue and commercial patriotic flags and shirts and grilled meat sizzling on the charcoal grill still hold a special place in my mind. As a matter of fact, in 2021, Americans spent $1.5 billion on fireworks. I remember someone laid out the difference between a million and a billion one time and one million seconds is about 11 days and one billion seconds is about 31.5 years. So you could see how that translates into money. We're spending a lot of money on fireworks in America. People love the holiday, at least for the celebratory aspect of it, even if they don't know what the heck they're celebrating, really. But for me, the 4th of July is a chance to reflect, think deeply. It's a little different than Juneteenth for me. Juneteenth for me is more of like a spiritual, almost sacred holiday. Just means more to me in that way. The 4th of July means more to me from a reflective standpoint. Because there's not so much to celebrate. But don't get me wrong, I'm not going to turn down a plate of ribs either, if you have some. But what I'm saying is I tend to look at it as a time of remembrance of those people on the outside of the founding, even though they were no less important to the founding. And I think more about the possibilities of America. So let's go to Douglas on this and I'm going to read this excerpt from the speech. And he says in one part, quote, the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, the distance between this platform and the slave plantation from which I escaped is considerable. And the difficulties to be overcome and getting from the latter to the former are by no means slight. That I am here today is to me a matter of astonishment as well as of gratitude. You will not therefore be surprised if in what I have to say, I invent no elaborate preparation nor grace my speech with any high sounding exordium. With little experience and with less learning, I have been able to throw my thoughts hastily and imperfectly together and trusting to your patient and generous indulgence, I will proceed to lay them before you. This for the purpose of this celebration is the 4th of July. It is the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom. There is consolation in the thought that America is young. So I want to stop there for a second. So we gets his speech started. He says, forgive me. You know, I didn't come from the same privilege you did. I was on the slave plantation not long ago, had to 
Learn the alphabet by using a stick to draw letters in the dirt. Had to take scraps of paper to learn how to read. So excuse me if my eloquence escapes me this day, he's saying. And then I keyed in on the word. You notice he said your national independence. He didn't say our speaking for black people. Because enslaved people were not celebrating and rejoicing because they were enslaved in a free country. Think about that. Because ultimately it was not an Independence Day for non-white people. Even now we say our independence, skipping over the fact that this was not all inclusive. If you were black, you'd had just as good or maybe even better chance of fighting for the British and being emancipated during the Revolutionary War than with the colonies. So while we think of this as our now in today's day and age, we seldom take the time to reflect on that. I just don't see how we get there without the necessary conversation and reconciliation in between, without the necessary dialogue. And yet I also remember that after 1865, after the Civil War, so many black people championed American democracy and they made the 4th of July their own. But let's get back to Frederick Douglass. He says, quote in the speech. Great streams are not easily turned from channels. Worn deep in the course of ages, they may sometimes rise in quiet and stately majesty and inundate the land. Refreshing and fertilizing the earth with their mysterious properties. They may also rise in wrath and fury and bear away on their angry waves the accumulated wealth of years of toil and hardship. They, however, gradually flow back to the same old channel and flow on as serenely as ever. But while the river may not be turned aside, it may dry up and leave nothing behind but the withered branch and the unsightly rock to howl in the abyss and sweeping wind and the sad tale of departed glory. As with rivers, so with nations. The simple story of it is this, that 76 years ago, the people of this country were British subjects. You were under the British crown. But your fathers, they went so far in their excitement as to pronounce the measures of government unjust, unreasonable and oppressive and altogether such as ought not to be quietly submitted to. To say now that America's right and England wrong is exceedingly easy. But there was a time when to pronounce against England and in favor of the cause of the colonies, tribemen's souls. On the 2nd of July, 1776, the old Continental Congress, to the dismay of the lovers of ease and the worshipers of property, in the form of a resolution, it may refresh your minds and help my story if I read it, resolve that these united colonies are and of right and ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and all to be dissolved. Citizens, your fathers made good that resolution. They succeeded. And today you reap the fruits of their success. The freedom gained is yours and you, therefore, may properly celebrate this anniversary. The 4th of July is the first great fact in your nation's history. The very ring, bolt in the chain of your yet undeveloped destiny. So here he's saying that the colonies declared an early victory, though. It was only victory for some. It was only victory for the few. After weighing the price of freedom or submission, the nation slogged it out blow for blow in a protracted and grueling war fought with muskets and cannonballs and gained freedom. But not everyone benefited. Victory was very selective. 
As those colonial rebels began celebrating the symbolic death of the king of England in the streets and ringing bells and lighting bonfires, there were 4th of July-ish celebrations before the official 4th of July ever began. And then the tradition was solidified after the ratification of the Constitution. There were conservatives who clung to it as a nationalistic and wholly patriotic celebration, just as they do today. But then you look back and you see the abolitionists who use it as a chance to criticize the chasm between American policy and American ideal. And so it's interesting to know that that is why Douglas's speech was on July 5th and not July 4th. The abolitionists would do this to draw a contrast between the 4th and the 5th and to draw attention to its hypocrisy. Douglas goes on, quote, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness, your swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, brass fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States. Go where you may, search where you will, roam all the monarchies and depotisms of the old world, travel through South America, search out every abuse, and when you have found the last, lay your facts by the side of the everyday practices of this nation, and you will say with me that for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. And he concludes, though, on a hopeful note, he does not despair of this country. There are forces in operation which must inevitably work for the downfall of slavery. The arm of the Lord is not shortened and the doom of slavery is certain. I therefore leave off where I began with hope. And there it is, everyone. Frederick Douglass leaves us off with the balance of hope and despair. The ever present engaging with the tension between pride and shame. Those who fought for freedom for everybody or in other words, who brought our ideals into balance with the reality of slavery. And we have this understanding then that America has done wonderful things that can offer us hope for the future, but that America has also done some very shameful things. And it's the unwillingness to deal with the night side, the dark side of America that continues to tear the nation in half. And I'm paraphrasing, but the difference between patriotism and nationalism is that the patriot is proud of the country for what it does. And the nationalist is proud of the country, no matter what it does. And the first attitude fosters responsibility, right? But the second leads to blind arrogance. And I sense that this 4th of July, there will be less reflection, more blind arrogance. I fear that the dialogue will be cut short. Matter of fact, I know it will. But on the 4th of July, I celebrate America for what it has done, my love of democracy, 
but not in spite of what America has done and continues to do in opposition to true equality. And I'll continue to pledge to use the freedom I have to criticize the nation when it goes against the ideals that carried it on from the founding. The question I'll leave you with today and the question that always runs through this podcast is what traditions and what version of America do we, do I, and do you want to move forward? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would encourage you to go leave me a tip on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. And I have it set up to where you can leave anywhere from a dollar to two dollars a month, a dollar or two an episode, or you can go up from there, if you enjoyed this episode, it helps with the production of the podcast. I want to encourage you again to look at the show notes. Go check out my book, The Humanity Archive, Recovering the Soul of Black History from a Whitewashed American Past. Looking forward to you reading it. I cannot wait for you to read it. And this is another episode of The Humanity Archive podcast. I'm so glad you listened. I'm so glad you're still here with me for sticking it out while I was gone for so long. Appreciate you all. I have so much gratitude for you all. I love you all. I promise I will be back soon. I am really trying to commit now to a biweekly podcast schedule. Bear with me, though, and I'll be back within the next couple of weeks. OK, another episode. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>